All right, so we're going to talk about the Sabbath today. And, you know, we're exploring the book of Leviticus. We started back in September. A reminder that the book of Leviticus was kind of God's moment when he gave his people his culture. So the Israelites were in slavery for 400 years, generation after generation, in slavery to Egypt. And they had a promise, but that's it, that they would be the people of God. And God frees them from slavery, and he's got them out in the wilderness. And he gives them his culture through the book of Leviticus and um, tells them what it means to be the people of God. They didn't have any scripture or anything like that. But at this moment in time, God is giving the Israelites his culture. And one of the pieces of that culture was something called the Sabbath. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I have to tell you that back in July, when I planned out this series and decided that, you know, on February 6th, we would be talking about the Sabbath, you know, back when it was 82 degrees and sunny outside, when I planned that, I had no idea. For me, it was just a topic in Leviticus. I had no idea the work that God would be doing in my heart and in my life concerning the Sabbath by February of 2011. This past fall, I read a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. And that book, terrible title, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Sounds like it should come with a little skirt, you know. And, And I had put off reading that for a long, long time because of that title, even though it was highly recommended. That book changed my life, um, helped me to grow spiritually more than anything I've read in a long, long time. And, um, and one of the concepts in this book was sort of refocusing around the Sabbath. Now for me, and, and when we talk about the Sabbath, we're talking about a day of rest. Huge in Jewish culture and practicing Jews to this day will always observe the Sabbath, Friday sundown through Saturday, Sabbath. It is a day of rest pillar, one of the top two or three priorities in Jewish life. But for me growing up, the Sabbath, my my parents thought that the Sabbath was important, but what the Sabbath meant to me growing up was you went to church every Sunday because it's the Sabbath. You tried to not shop unless you absolutely had to, And you tried to not mow the lawn unless it rained all week. And that was how we observed the Sabbath growing up. But then when I was in high school, we we changed churches to a a, a New Testament-driven church. And it helped us to understand that the concepts and rules in the Old Testament, the guidelines and the boundaries of the Old Testament, were not essential anymore. They were not necessary You didn't have to be obedient to the specifics and the rules of the Old Testament unless it was repeated in the New Testament. So we found the loophole. Now we can shop on Saturday or on Sunday and, you know, we can mow the lawn and golf on Sunday now because we don't have to do nothing on the Sabbath anymore because we're a New Testament follower of Jesus. Okay? So my adult life, I have never paid a bit of attention to the Sabbath or to the whole concept. Having read 
Peter Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, it has prompted me to study the Sabbath at a much greater detail, to look at the ancient rabbis and their teachings, to look more closely at Scripture. And I have found a personal conviction and a renewed interest in trying to observe the Sabbath. So my challenge for you today is to try to keep an open mind. Because when we talk about the Sabbath, we're talking about creating margin, which means doing with less. And that is never fun. If you want to create margin to lose weight, it means doing without calories that you would otherwise enjoy. If you want to create financial margin in life, it means cutting back on things that you want to spend your money on. And when we talk about the Sabbath, we're talking about creating margin with our time and activity. And it's never fun to try to look through a packed schedule and say, okay, these are the things that I have to do without, because we're pretty convinced that we can't do without anything that we fill our schedule with. So it's a difficult topic, but it's one that I want to challenge you to to really um, keep an open mind and allow God to speak to your life when we talk through this. Okay, let's go to the book of Leviticus now. And we're going to start in Leviticus chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, if you could, 23, I'm sorry, Leviticus 23. If you don't have a Bible, um, or if you don't have one that, that is readable, um, language-wise, we have some Bibles in the back and would invite you to grab one on your way out, or right now if you want, and just keep that. That's, that's yours. It's a gift. And, and use that and bring it back um, to, to work through this with me on Sunday mornings. Um, we're going to go to Leviticus 23, <coughs> chapter 3. I'm sorry, chapter 23, verse 3. <coughs> the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. Periods of time, things like that. Then he goes in verse 3 and he says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. Now this is striking to me because so far we've seen in the book of Leviticus that God sets up you know, the, the, the custom of priests. He sets up offerings. He tells them, you know, you can wear this, you can't wear that. You can eat this, you can't eat that. You can, you know, the, the sexual boundaries and things like that. How to stay clean and healthy. The really, really important stuff around which you build a society. But then along with those rules, he tells them, oh, next rule, you have to take a day off a week. You have to take a holy day of rest one day a week. That's the Sabbath. And that's just interesting to me that it just doesn't seem to fit. Do this, do this, do this, do this on the really important things that, that we see as important. But one of those things is a day of rest. But that's not the first time that the Israelites had heard about the Sabbath. They had heard about it immediately after their rescue 
from the Egyptians. But what I want to do is go back even before that and take a look at the book of Genesis. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2 if you have your Bibles. Now, I'm using the the English Standard Version today um, because it is more geared, it is more built around accuracy of word translation than readability. Like the New International Version, very readable, but they make some choices for readability, whereas the English Standard Version, very focused on accuracy, and I think they do a better job of capturing what was written in the original Hebrew in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. God day by day, is creating the world. So he takes a day and he creates the, like the sun and the moon and then the earth, the, the, the land and the sea and the fish and the birds and the animals and vegetation and human beings. Pretty much everything that you can categorize on the earth today was created on one of those six days of creation. So, Big deal stuff. But then in verse 2, or in chapter 2, he says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done. Now, here's the small subtlety that makes a big difference. In the English Standard Version, which is a much more accurate translation that Jewish thought back then would agree with, in the NIV it says, by the seventh day, God had finished his work. But in the ESV and in the original Hebrew, it says, and on the seventh day, God finished his work. And this is a significant subtlety because what it seems that Moses is trying to tell us and the word of God is trying to tell us that God actually did some creating on the seventh day. He finished his work on the seventh day. But the only thing he did was create a day of rest. And this is significant because, I mean, everything else we would see is very significant. You know, aren't going to get very far on this earth without vegetation. And he creates the animals, and he creates the fish, and he creates the bird, and he creates the water, and he creates the sun, and he creates the moon. These are all things that are tangible and that we observe and that we recognize as very, very important in life today. But he devotes an entire day of creation. It says that he finished his work. He still accomplished something on the seventh day, by creating a holy period of time. And we can think about tangible things as being holy, holy places, holy people, holy objects. But God says this is a time period in the week that is holy, set apart for God, and He created it. It's hard for us. It's hard for me. And I really didn't grasp it and still don't grasp it as well as as maybe ancient Jewish rabbis did because we just don't think about a day being created as a day or as a holy day. But when you look at the teachings of the ancient rabbis, it's fascinating how much stock they put in the Sabbath. 
Now, the ancient rabbis would often personify things and tell stories about things um, to, to show us the significance. So they would often personify the Sabbath and have the Sabbath in their teaching talk like a person. And there's an ancient respected rabbi when talking about the Sabbath who said that um, when God created the days, the seventh day was upset. And the seventh day, the Sabbath day, spoke to God and said, God, you have created a partner for each day. You created the days two by two, but I'm here the seventh day and I'm all alone. I'm by myself. I don't have a partner to go with me. And God said to the Sabbath day, my people will be your bride. Now, again, not in scripture, but that shows you that the ancient Jewish people looked to the Sabbath as so significant that they often thought of it as their special bride, as if the Jewish people were married to the Sabbath. It was that significant. And when the ancient rabbis write about the Sabbath, they will talk about exploring the day, trying to like mine for significance in the day of the Sabbath. They believed that the Sabbath was the point in time in the week when God did most of his work in your life and in your heart. Now, in my adult life, I have completely blown that off. God finished his work on the seventh day by creating the Sabbath. I've never paid any attention to it at all. Then in the book of Exodus... Exodus 20, God has just freed the Israelites um, from the Egyptians and they are wandering in the wilderness and one of the first things God does is he gives them the Ten Commandments. Very, you know, famous piece of literature. They're probably somewhere in your grandma's house or maybe they're in your house. Um, and, you know, the, the, the list of, of the ten, like, fundamental rules or guidelines around which great civilizations are built. And one of those commandments, and you know, again, we're talking about the biggies, you know, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not lie. Things around which a healthy civilization have to be built. And in verse 8 of chapter 20 in the book of Exodus, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day, and therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, again, very strange in my mind that God would put this odd little command to rest in the same genre or the same section, do not murder, do not lie, do not commit adultery, honor your father and mother, don't be jealous, take a day of rest. Just doesn't, did I break that? No. Just doesn't seem in my mind to fit. 
But when we look at the Ten Commandments, it is actually the longest of the commandments. It's the commandment that God expounds the most on. Many of these commandments are like one sentence. But God spends the most amount of time talking about the importance of taking a day of rest. When you think about it, you know, the Israelites, they never had a day off. They were slaves in Egypt. They were doing machines. And one of the first things that God says is, you and your livestock and visitors from foreign lands, when they are in your house, will do nothing. You will take a day of rest. If you look at Isaiah 58, and I think I got this out of order. It's not going to be the next scripture up here, up in the booth. It'll be um, the following one, Isaiah 58. And this is the passage that we have said we need to build Polaris around. But if you notice, I have stopped in my teaching with the first part. Basically, Isaiah 58, God is revealing his heart to the people. He says, you care for the poor. You shelter the homeless. You bring justice to the oppressed. You share your food with the hungry. And we kind of stop there. If you look at verse 13 of Isaiah 58. He says, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure, talking idly, then you, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, who was called Israel, the father of the Israelites. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And all through the Old Testament, (coughs) all through the Old Testament, we see God reaffirming and restating the importance for the Israelites, the people of God, to observe the Sabbath. And my whole adult life, I have completely blown it off. Why? Because in the New Testament, I don't have to. Now, that's very clear. Paul says in the New Testament that there is no specific day that we have to observe to be considered um, members of the kingdom of God. Okay, so, you know, there's the loophole. You don't have to. But we are followers of Jesus. What does Jesus have to say? Very, very important concept, pillar in the Old Testament, promise of God's blessing in the Ten Commandments, in one of the first chapters of Scripture, reaffirmed throughout the entire Old Testament that this is an important thing that God instituted as a holy concept. Let's look at Jesus in Mark chapter 2. Now remember, Scripture says that when Jesus died on the cross and raised from the dead that most of the rules and concepts of the Old Testament are no longer necessary to maintain a relationship with God. Mark 2, verse 23. On the Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? 
So you weren't allowed, you were supposed to rest on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, interpreted for the people what exactly that meant. Okay, and they came up with enormous amounts of rules of what you could do and couldn't do on the Sabbath day. And clearly, you know, picking heads of grain, preparing food for, for eating was not lawful in their mind on the Sabbath. Um, and they're upset that Jesus and his disciples are doing that. And Jesus says, if you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how they entered the house of God, the temple, the tabernacle, in, in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now, this is, this is a big deal here for me. You know, we want to be followers of Jesus. It means we want to be obedient to the clear and plain teachings of Jesus. And when Jesus was questioned about the Sabbath, his teaching was, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, the problem was the legalism behind it, which Jesus clearly does away, does away with here. He says, stop being so legalistic about the Sabbath. If you're hungry, you can pluck some grain to eat. This was not meant to be a burden for you. You were not created for the Sabbath. But he does say that the Sabbath was created. Who created the Sabbath? God. And the Bible says that Jesus actually was the creative arm of God. So Jesus created the Sabbath. He says, I created the Sabbath for man. Now, he could have said, you know what, guys? Just don't worry about it because in a few you know, years after I die on the cross and am raised from the dead, there's not going to be a Sabbath anymore. But he doesn't say that. Instead, he affirms the Sabbath. And he says, I created the Sabbath for you. The Sabbath was created for man. Now, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And what Jesus is telling me is, Alex, you don't have to be legalistic about it. However, I created the Sabbath for you. I want to be a follower of the teachings of Jesus. And this has convicted me because I've never followed that teaching before. And when I'm in heaven someday, eating with Jesus at Chipotle... I don't want to have to sit across from him and have him ask me, you know, that Sabbath, one of the great pillars of Scripture, you never paid any attention to that. And my only answer would be, well, I didn't think I had to. And Jesus would say, I know you read that I said I made it for you. Well, yeah, but... I was too busy. I don't think that's going to fly. You see, one of the things that God did with the Sabbath was he created this moment of trust. God was always working in the Israelites' hearts to try to create trust, to try to tell them, I got this. This is not about you. I will do this work on your behalf. 
And when we talk about freeing up time once a week, a 24-hour block, what we're really doing is creating trust. You only do that through trust and faith because we are pretty convinced that this world is not going to continue to revolve if we're not in the picture. We struggle with that. I struggle with that. Well, if I take a day and try to accomplish nothing on my to-do list, things are just going to fall apart. The Sabbath is a trust thing, and it requires great amounts of trust. So let's go to the application moments here because, again, this has been a journey for me, and I'm going to start talking about this book that I've read and some of the principles that he suggested because he has tried to observe the Sabbath now for quite a few years. And I find his principles to be very biblical, and they have helped. One of the things he talks about is, is in the Midwest, in, in, the, in the Great Plains, and in Canada, where it's, where it's flat. And these driving snowstorms will emerge out of nowhere. And one of the things that the people there will do is tie a rope from their front door to anywhere they need to get to. Because at any moment in the winter, one of these driving snowstorms could come and create a whiteout condition, and literally you can get lost between your front door and your garage. And there have been plenty of people who have frozen to death within feet of their front, within a few feet of their front door, because you just can't see anything. And so meteorologists actually suggested that they tie these ropes either to themselves or from their front door out to their garage or to their barn or wherever they need to get so that they have a place to center themselves and they won't get lost in the blizzard around them. With a regular rhythm of observing the Sabbath, this keeps us from getting lost in the blur of life. Because if you're like me, there have been weeks and months and years of blizzards of life where you find yourself no further or closer spiritually to where you need to be than a year ago. And the Sabbath, devoting one day a week to set everything else aside and pursue God's path for you will keep you anchored and calibrated enough to keep you moving forward. Now, here are four guiding principles that the book gave me that are helping me. And i got to tell you before we get to there, um, what I do is I try to make Friday after lunch through Saturday before lunch a time of Sabbath. And it doesn't always work. And we can't get legalistic with it or it's not going to work. Because i got little kids. You know, and, and, uh, and every now and then I'll have a small group at my house or something that just means I can't devote this to rest. And sometimes, you know, it'll be a Friday night and, and it's my Sabbath, but all here, you know, and laying in bed, all here, these little feet running across the hallway and the toilet seat flips up and there's silence for like 20 seconds. And then the toilet seat flips down and the little feet run back to bed. And I know in the morning I got a mess to clean up. Because I didn't hear anything hit the water. And, and it's Sabbath, but, you know, we can't get legalistic with this. But you've got to find that 24-hour period first. And then here are four principles to consider. And the first is this. The first is stop. 24 hours to stop. 
and surrender. To stop the pursuit of achievement. And this is going to demand that you look at the things that drive you in life. Maybe you have to let that driveway pile up with snow a little more than you want your neighbors to see. But then you might have to ask, am I living this life for the approval of others? Do I care too much about what others think so much that I can't give God a day of rest? Or maybe you'll worry about how your yard looks in the summer because you don't want your neighbors to think that you're lazy. Or you're worried about the perception of laziness and maybe you're beginning to think, I am what other people think that I am, which is not a healthy approach to life and the Sabbath will help you evaluate that. Or maybe you can't see how you could give the volume of work that you do in your job and also the volume of work that your home requires and you can't imagine cutting back hours at work so that you can keep up with your home to devote an hour to God. And then maybe you have to think, well, if I can't do that, maybe I'm too concerned that I am what I achieve. And that's an unhealthy place to be living life from, and Sabbath will force that out of you. But the first thing you have to do to observe the Sabbath is just stop the pursuit of achievement. The second thing you need to do is rest. You need to devote yourself to rest. It's said that the Oregon Trail... There was often in the culture a great debate among people on the Oregon Trail with their covered wagons whether or not to observe the Sabbath. But the wagons and the families that observed the Sabbath tended to travel faster and arrive at Oregon more quickly than those that did not observe the Sabbath because their teams were well rested, their families were more healthy, their equipment was better maintained, and they actually gained ground in life because they rested. Now, Jesus says we don't have to be boring and we don't have to do nothing. Remember, he was actually active on the Sabbath, healing and eating and picking grains. But this is is what what the, the author of the book suggests. Consider resting from work, from physical exhaustion, from hurriedness, from multitasking, from competitiveness, from worry, from decision making from catching up the to-do list, from talking, or from technology. Now, you can still have fun and find enjoyment. I've enjoyed grocery shopping on my Friday nights. And it's not because I'm getting something done. It's because that's like some relaxing me time for me, to just go grocery shopping. You might consider golfing or working out or things like that. It's where it's coming from that's most important. As long as you're not in it to achieve and to accomplish, but to relax and replenish, that's the idea of the Sabbath. Now, the third concept is delight. And this is the thing for me, and I'm not great at this, and I don't get a Sabbath in every week, but I'm trying. This has been the most rewarding for me, to stop and take delight in the people that come my way. When I am in a store, maybe I'll take a moment to talk with the clerk because I'm forcing myself to find delight in the people around me that day, and that doesn't always happen. And also delight in creation. So maybe I'll sit with a cup of coffee because, remember, I have no no to-do list scratched out on a piece of paper on my Sabbath. 
Maybe I'll sit for an afternoon and look out the window at the snow and try my hardest to find delight in that and enjoy God's creation. One of the things that I'm enjoying right now, and I'm trying to just soak in these moments, my three-year-old Elijah, one of the things that has happened over the past few weeks is we'll just sit on the couch in our living room and look out the window at the snow. We're not active. We're not doing anything. We're not talking. He just sit there with me and look at the snow. And that's a Sabbath moment where I'm just delighting without anything else on my mind. And I think that that's kind of what God wants from us. Just sit with me. Put your to-do list down. I got this. Relax. Enjoy my world. A taste of heaven a little bit early. And then the final element is contemplation. I think we do need on the Sabbath to devote time to God, to reading scripture when we normally wouldn't because we don't have a to-do list on the Sabbath, to praying a little more than we normally would, maybe reading a book, about God or about spiritual growth. Things like that, thinking about God, listening to some Christian music, some time to truly contemplate our relationship with God to grab that rope. Let me just close with one final illustration, and I think that that this book just captured an amazing moment for those of us who live in this area. Remember growing up when you had a book bag full of homework Half of it was done. You knew you were going to have to get to school. You got these tests. You got this homework. You got to finish up in study hall. You're ready to set the alarm for 6.30. You got your extracurriculars. And all of a sudden, you get eight inches of snow. And you wake up. And you hear the radio say, no school. It's a snow day. And now you wake up with a free day. Sleep in. Have fun. Relax. The world is shut down around you. All your plans are now out the window and you have nothing to do. God tells you, I made the Sabbath for you. I built a snow day every week for you into creation. I got this. Relax. Observe my snow day. And I'm trying to learn to do that. And I want to challenge you to do that as well.